Good morning. What a wonderful day the Lord has given us, isn't it? Another day, another day in our life, um, a lot of days in my life. <laughs> you know, we used to be, Faith and I used to be the youngest people in this church. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> no longer are we. Um, we want to continue to hold Pastor Stephen and Mary up in prayer. Um, it's just so good to have a pastor who honors the word of God, who preaches the word of God, who loves the word of God, and a wife who supports him. Amen? Amen. We are fortunate people to have Pastor Stephen and Mary, and so continue to hold them up in prayer. They're out in uh, Indiana uh, attending some biblical counseling uh, seminars, so um, you can hold them up in prayer. Uh, Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 with me. You probably already have your finger in Romans chapter 6. Keep it there because we will be back in Romans 6. Romans 8, those great words, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Good news, Mindy? Amen. Amen. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen, Billy? Amen. Amen. I know Billy would say that. How about you, John? Yeah, no condemn- We deserve condemnation. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, just give us those commands and show us our sin, that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man. That is good news. That is good news. Last Sunday evening in our communion service, Pastor Stephen walked us through the doctrine of justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, and if you were not here, you should have been. All right? See, I can, I'm the retired pastor. I can get away with that, all right? You should have been here because you missed a wonderful, not only a wonderful sermon, but a wonderful time of communion um, together. And for those who weren't here but should have been, I'll review a little bit, because really what he did last week at communion was pretty much my introduction. Go over to Romans 1. Got your finger in Romans. The believer's justification is an act of God whereby he declares the believer righteous in his sight. Isn't that an amazing thought? Justification is an act of God whereby he declares the believer righteous in his sight through faith uh, in Christ. And the pastor pointed us to Romans 1, 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then the Gentile, for in the gospel a righteousness from God. Pastor Stephen made that very clear Last week is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I live by faith. I even eat by faith. Does that make me righteous? She'd say no. (laughs) No. Makes me better. It makes me better living by faith. But it doesn't make me righteous. 
pastor made the point that this righteousness is not anything we have within ourselves. It's not anything, anything we can conjure up from within us. It's a righteousness that is from God. He called it an alien righteousness outside of us, from God. That is by faith from first to last. Go over to Romans 5. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, another therefore, since we have been justified, that is declared righteous in God's sight, through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The object of our faith isn't faith. You hear that many times. You'll hear it all over the media. People of faith, people of faith. Good people or people of faith. No. (laughs) It's the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, that brings us that righteousness, not just our faith. Go over to Romans 3 with me. Romans 3, 20 to 26. If you think you can obey the law and become righteous, we read these words. Romans 3, 20. Therefore, No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. How do we know what sin is? God's law tells us. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through good works. Your Bible doesn't say that? Maybe you have the message in front of you or something. I don't know. No, no, it doesn't come from good works. How about the good in all of us? No, no. How about obeying the law? No, 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 definitely no. Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the foundation upon which Paul writes those wonderful joy-giving, joy-generating words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The foundation. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, you are in Christ. There's no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. And if you're trusting The Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You are in Christ and righteous in God's sight. Amazing thought. If that doesn't just blow you away, then you have no idea of your own state or sinfulness and the glory of God found in Jesus Christ. Go to Ephesians 1. How does this happen? Ephesians 1. I love hearing turning pages. Music too. We had a pastor's meeting this uh, Past week, you know, Adirondack Pastors Fellowship, and we were talking, and the pastors were saying, boy, they just love hearing those pages turn. You know, so if you don't have a Bible on your lap, get it. I know, I know some of you have, you know, your pages, I can't hear them because they're on your phone. It's okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ. Oh. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation doesn't stop there. Many have heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. doesn't stop there, does it? It says, having believed, 
You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's the good news. Believe in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. You're placed into Christ. Placed into Christ. But what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? And is it essential for us to really grasp that doctrine of our union with Christ? I think it's not a doctrine that is preached very often. I think it's probably one of the most neglected and most important doctrines that we find for the believer. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. There, there's much talk these days about um, changing one's identity, right? <laughs> we hear that over and over again, and much if not all of what you hear from our culture is from the pit of hell, the lies of Satan. Don't buy it. Go to your Bibles. Go to your Bibles. However, through the believer's union with Christ, we have a new identity, a brand new identity. I am not the at heart I was. I know my wife is sitting there saying, praise God. <laughs> and that's because of our union with Christ. It tells us who we are in Christ. And, and we're going to look at that. Um, when I say that I'm not the person I was, obviously I'm still the same good-looking guy I always was, right? <laughs> right, honey? <clears throat> still carrying that great personality. <laughs> my wife is gone. <laughs> So there are many things in us that we bring along, right? It isn't like I get a new face. It isn't like some of those personality traits change. Now, the process of sanctification will change those personality traits, some of them which aren't all that good. That's the process of sanctification. But this being placed into Christ, into my new identity, this union with Christ makes me a brand new person. Okay, I'm not. Believe me, uh, if some of you knew me, 40 years ago, you'd say, who is that guy? Everything is new. It's interesting how important the words in Christ are in the New Testament. We read the words Christian three times. We read the words in Christ or in him 160 times. You think that's important? I think so. Repetition of scripture is extremely important. So we want to get our arms around that. One writer uh, writes... Coming to see your union with Christ is like finally putting on a pair of desperately needed eyeglasses. <laughs> wow, look at that. We see ourselves and everything else with new eyes. That's so good. I remember turning, I guess I was turning 40 or maybe 42. I started preaching here actually without glasses, if you could believe that. It was a long time ago. And then all of a sudden I'd be looking down and go, Faith would go, you, you're missing words when you're reading. <laughs> yeah, 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 put glasses on. Oh, I can see. That's what happens. We're new. We see things differently. I look at people differently than I did before. Another writes, if we're united with Christ, then we are united to him in all that he has done for us. Christ represents those who come to be his so thoroughly 
that we are said to have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. Buried with Christ, Romans 4.4. And raised with Christ, Colossians 3.1. And are even seated with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. Now, as we walk this earth. That's where you are if you were in Christ. Even though you're here at ABC. Go over to Romans 6 with me, our scripture reading this morning. Romans 6, verse, chapter, Romans 6, verse 1, referring back to 520, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Amen. Paul writes in Romans 6, 1 through 4, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. God forbid. Absolutely not. I don't know what your translation says. You get the point, right? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Wait a minute. How did we die to sin? That's a good question. Romans 6.3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You may be sitting there saying, I've never been water baptized. Well, I'll tell you this. According to scripture, you should be. And Pastor C would be glad to do that. We'll cut a hole in the ice in the lake. He can stand over it. Actually, we used Northville Baptist Baptistry last time we did that. Water baptism is only a symbol of what has truly happened to every believer upon salvation when they are placed into Christ by faith in him. Greek scholar Kenneth West defines the Greek word translated baptized here in Romans 6.3. He defines it as the introduction of placing, the, of placing of a person or thing into a new environment or into union with something else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to the previous environment or condition. In effect, if you think of it, I don't know whether you ever watched Forged in Fire, you know, that where they make things, you know, they have Forge. Maybe you've watched that. It's kind of a cool show. Um, in effect, a blacksmith takes a red-hot piece of steel, and what does he do? He dips it into cool oil. You ever watch that? And it flames. And what does he do that for? He tempers it. And when he takes it out, it's forever changed. <laughs> it's changed now. It's a different... It has a different molecular structure than it did before he dropped it into that. The problem is with that analogy, as all analogies sooner or later break down, he takes it out. <laughs> you see, when we're placed into Christ, we never come out. We're placed in, baptized, being placed in to Christ, forever changed, forever changed. No going back, folks. We're placed into Christ, and we come out a different, different person forever. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Clothe yourselves with Christ. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Clothe yourselves with the righteousness of Christ. So when the Father looks at you walking this earth, still subject to sin, he sees Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Isn't that wonderful news? That's such wonderful, wonderful 
news. Colossians 1.27, the glorious riches of this mystery, and that is talking about the gospel, which is my favorite, favorite verse probably in scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in us. We're in him. Our union. We are union with Christ. Unified with Christ. Forever. Water baptism only pictures this. When I would baptize people, you know, we'd be out in the lake. Some of those interesting times that you guys were here over the years. And it was raining like crazy one day. I was baptizing a couple of Hungarians out in the lake in, in, in uh, um, Sakandaga. And, and what am I saying? Same thing, didn't matter. It was pouring. We were all baptized that day. <laughs> and it was pouring, and it would be buried in the likeness of his death. They go underwater, depending on how long I know you, I might hold you there. For a while. Okay? Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. That's the picture. It's only a picture, but it is commanded because it says something to the people that are. It says, I am no longer at heart, I am in Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. I knew I went down, I came up. Well, that's picturing me by faith being placed into Christ and all things are new. Everything. And then that process of sanctification, which we'll look at here. Follow as I read 6, 4 through 7. We were, past tense, therefore, buried with him, through baptism, that is placed into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. It isn't just, I asked Jesus into my heart, I got my ticket to heaven, and now I'm on my way, and I live as I, no, 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 it says that we may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that the old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. This is key element here in Scripture. Because... Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That is from sin's slavery. Slavery to sin. In his excellent book, Union with Christ, Rankin Wilborn, and I would strongly suggest you read that book. He writes this, The person I was before I knew Christ is no longer the person I am. The Christian life is not a self-improvement project. Got that? It's not about reforming the old self. We are talking about a new self. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. New creation. Brand new creation. So when I came to faith in Christ, I was placed into Christ, being united with Christ. When Christ died, the old Ed died. Praise God. Right, honey? Yeah, she's going, yeah, for sure. Amen. The old Ed died when Christ, and that old Ed was a slave to sin. Slave to sin. 
when Christ was raised from the dead, guess what? It was raised to the newness of life. The old Ed is crucified with Christ. I am no longer a slave to sin. I have been freed from my slavery to sin. Amen? If you don't, if you don't get that, I don't think you're truly saved. Okay? You've got to understand this. This is salvation we're talking about. This isn't like, well, I asked Jesus into my heart and I have my ticket and and so now I can go through life. No, 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 no. If you are truly saved, if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin, you are a new person. Now, you may not act like it. We're going to look at that. But you are. And he has given you everything you need to act like it. Unfortunately, not many do sometimes. Look at Romans 6, 8 through 11. Now, now, based on this, if, in fact, we died with Christ, if we're truly a believer, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any master over him, mastery over him. For death he died, he died to sin once for all. Amen? No re-crucifixion of Christ. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way, the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Consider yourselves. Reckon, the old word, right? Reckon yourselves dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because being united to Christ through faith, you have died with him and have been made alive with him. You have been born again. There's a new you. You have a new identity. Everything is new. This explains why Paul wrote in verse 2, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We're a new person. That's not me. It's not the Ed that existed for 33 years in my life. It's a new person. I need to count, consider, think about, reckon, count myself dead to sin's mastery over my life. This is why when I'm discipling a young man and they tell me, I just can't do it. (laughs) I go, well, then you need to come to Christ. Let's talk about the basics here. You need to get saved. Because if you're telling me you cannot not click that button on the computer, then I'm getting off salvation all wrong because the fact is that God, you are united with Christ and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't, don't tell me you can't. You see, if you are in Christ, your slavery to sin is done. And we're going to see then, why do we sin? Dead to the mastery of sin. I do not need to live in it any longer. I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. As one united with Christ and therefore dead to sin's dominion, the only power sin has over me is the power I give it. You okay with that? 
the devil made me do it. No. No. Sorry. Not if you're a believer. Nope. As one united with Christ and therefore dead to sin's dominion, the only power sin has over me is the power I give it. Being united with Christ by faith, I have the righteousness of Christ and I have the power of Christ through the spirit of Christ who lives in me. Amen? And that's why Paul would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can't leap tall buildings. He can't outrun a speeding bullet. He can do all things that God commands him to do through Christ who lives in him, through Christ who strengthens me. So the scriptures say, this is what you should do. You have the power to do it if you are truly saved. If you will get out of the way and pull on that grace, that wonderful power we have. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ it lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life I live. Through this new united life united with Christ, I can live a brand new life and be free from sin's dominion. Look at 11 through 14. Romans 6, 11 through 14. In the same way, that is just as in Christ we have died to sin, should live a life to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God, Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And you may say, how can I do that? Well, read on. Do not offer the parts of your body as instruments of wickedness. Is that a real deep theological thought? Do not offer the members of your body as instruments of wickedness. Do not offer your eyes. Nobody's, young men, listen to me. Nobody's opening that computer and hitting the button for you. Do not offer your eyes. Got it? We could say, yeah, that's pretty easy, right? Do not offer the parts of your body as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. (laughs) See, he's just saying, don't act like somebody who you're not. (laughs) You know, people say all the time, oh, he's a hypocrite. You know, a hypocrite is, is someone who really doesn't act like who they are, <laughs> right? And, and so, who are you? I am in Christ. Maybe I ought to start acting like that. I'm not the old Ed. Maybe I ought to start acting like that. You know what was really neat? When I came to faith and I was brought into this union with Christ, He didn't just, you know, it wasn't like zap. Everything in my life changed. Every sin disappeared. He gave me new desires. I started to put those glasses on. You see things a little more clearly. And he gave me a desire in my heart to study the word of God. He gave me a desire in my heart to love my wife as the Bible commands. He gave me a desire in my heart to put away the things 
that were taking me down. Put a desire in my heart to stop offering my, the members of my body as instruments of wickedness and start offering the members of my body as instruments of righteousness. <laughs> Big difference. Well, let's read on. What does he say? He says... I've been brought from death to life, being united with Christ, and he died, I died, he was raised, the newness of life, I was raised. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. If you're saved, if you, that is, if you're trusting in Christ in his substitutionary death, burial, and, and resurrection for your salvation, you are not under law. It has no power. As a matter of fact, it incites the flesh. You are under God's powerful grace. There is no redeeming power in the law. None. There is no sin-stopping power in the law. But as a believer, you're no longer under law. You're under redeeming power of God's grace. And you, being united with Christ, now have the ability to stop letting sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. If Paul said, stop, don't let sin, do not let sin reign, then we could look at that and we can say, oh, that's impossible. Let's read to the next verse. No. No, nothing you read there is impossible if, in fact, you are unified with Christ. All things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stop letting sin reign in my mortal body. Do you agree with that? Are you doing it? Come on. I heard a few yeses. You, being united in Christ, have the ability to stop letting sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, and you can stop offering the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. And by the power of Christ in you, you can offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. You can do that. I say that on the authority of the word of God. Don't tell me you can't. I just can't stop. Yeah, you can. If you're united with Christ, of course you can. That's why Paul writes in Romans 12, 1, therefore. <laughs> you love all these there. See, he's just building. See, based on what I said before. When you see therefore, what's therefore? Based on what I said before, right? Therefore, because of your union with Christ, which is all about Romans, our salvation, because of your union with Christ, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to do what? Present, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this, 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 offering your body as a living sacrifice to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Oh, I thought singing was my act of worship. It is. I thought coming to church was my act. It it is. Well, isn't it interesting that when we see a verse that actually says, this is your spiritual act of worship, It has to do with offering ourselves, our bodies, to him. 
Paul writes in Philippians 4.13. Just so you have a reference for that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through the indwelling spirit of Christ who lives in me and strengthens me. But there's more. Look at verses 15 through 18. You have been freed from one horrible slavery and you have been placed into one glorious slavery. (laughs) We don't want to miss this, right? It's the good news of the gospel. What then? Verse 15, Romans 6, 15. Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Again, Paul knows the arguments that people will have. Oh, okay, I'm all forgiven so I can go on living my life the way I want. By no means. Don't you know when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you see that? You you were slaves to sin in your old self, but now you have been born again. You have a new identity. You are unified with Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to sin. You used to be slaves to sin. You wholeheartedly, this is a picture of that salvation coming to Christ, obeyed the form of teaching which you were entrusted. That's the gospel. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So if you willingly offer the members of your body, your eyes, your hands, your ears, your mouth, or any other member of your body to sin, then don't be surprised when you become a slave to that sin, okay? Why am I enslaved by this sin? I'll tell you why. Because last night, you made a a conscious decision, and I'm talking about a believer here. Unbeliever can't make a different decision. Oh, they have self-discipline for the wrong reasons. I'm talking about a believer, Last night, you made a conscious decision to offer the members of your body as an instrument of wickedness. You made a decision to place yourself under that sin, and therefore, don't be surprised when you become a slave to that sin. You think drugs don't affect Christians? Anybody here think drug, drug addiction doesn't affect a Christian? Christian can't be a Christian. <laughs> Wake up. How many people have I counseled over the years that were addicted to various things that were true believers in Christ, loved the Lord Jesus Christ, but they gave into that sin, and that sin, they became a slave to that sin. They didn't have to be. They placed themselves under that slavery. Unified with Christ, they don't have to be. You offer, you offer yourself to sin. You are obedient to the one you offer yourself to. That's what Paul's saying here. It weren't possible for the believer to be enslaved by some sin, and Paul wouldn't write this to believers. That slavery comes as the believer voluntarily offers the members, his members, to sin. And you say, I don't remember consciously offering myself to that. Well, think about it. If you think, if you go before the Lord and pray and ask the Lord to reveal that to you, he'll reveal that to you. What you're doing, what you're doing in your life, that will, what are you putting? Feed your mind with godless Hollywood stuff day in, day out. And then wonder, why am I, why am I not thinking godly thoughts? 
I spent a half an hour in church listening to Ed Hart the other week. Been more than half an hour. 40 minutes. Why? Well, you've been feeding your mind with garbage all week. And then, you, then you, you're wondering, why on earth am I not making these decisions? Your mind is... So we see this. Slavery comes as we offer ourselves. Paul's answer is, you don't have to anymore because you are united with Christ by faith in him. And you're no longer under the powerless law. You know what the powerless law causes us to do? How many of you, when you go into the lodge living room and see that sign that says, do not touch the bear, what do you do? Well, I'm not going to ask you what you do, because you'd be sinning. I'm going to ask you what you want to do. When a little kid, take a you know, little kid, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, little boy, all right? Yeah, little boys, all right? They go, do not touch the bear. <laughs> I use the example of walking down the streets in New York City at a construction site, having a big wall, you know, walled off. And, you know, those knot holes in the walls. Nobody's looking through them. People are walking down. Put a sign that says, do not look through this hole. Just put a sign on it. Something you never wanted to do. That's, that's basically Romans 7, okay? Something you never thought about. All of a sudden, what do you want to do? You see, there is rebellion in us still. Even though we are united with Christ, we still have this, this flesh and sin living in us. And there is still that little rebellious heart in there that says, I am not going to do what you tell me to do. Anybody like that? Anybody here? Everybody submissive totally? Don't look through this hole. <laughs> I, I remember John Piper. He, he was the example once. Or no, actually it was Milton Vincent once. He was at our men's conference. He said, okay, I'm going to tell you, do not think about snakes. All right? And then he went on teaching. He says, what are you guys thinking about? <laughs> I can't get out of my head. Snakes. <laughs> See, we just, that's, that's, praise God that when we get to the other side of eternity, that's gone. Amen? You see, we won't have that anymore. We won't have this, this flesh. We won't have indwelling sin wrestling with us, saying, oh, he said, don't do it. Go over there and do it. <laughs> no. We will have perfect righteousness. That's all we'll want to do. That's all we're capable of doing. We will be incapable of sinning. Is that good news? Boy, that's good news to me. Let me finish reading 16 or 19 through 23, and then we'll be done. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Boy, is that a true statement. Just as I used to offer, just as I used to offer, just as you used to offer, just as you past tense, you believers who are united with Christ, who came to Christ, who have been born again, <laughs> just as you used to, Offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness. So now that you are a new person, you have a new identity, you're brand new, all things are new, the old is gone, the new has come. So now, offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. Four, 
When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Is that a good thing? What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? All of us can look back over our life and see that. We're honest. Those things result in death. But now (laughs) that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have a new identity. You have a new power. You have a new master. Sin is no longer your master. It's no longer your master. Why do you obey it? It's no longer your master. You have a new identity. And for that reason, we can read, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. Are you in Christ this morning? I'm glad two of you are. Are you in Christ this morning? Don't say yes if you're not. Union with Christ is not an idea to be understood. It's a reality to be lived by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a life to be lived. Marcus Peter Johnson writes in his book, One with Christ, another book I would highly recommend. To put it plainly, to be saved is to be united with the Savior. (laughs) So after all the discussion we have on the believer's union with Christ, the main question is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? That's, that's, have you been born again? (laughs) That's, Have you ever come to that point in your life where you have turned from your rebellion and your sin turned? That's called repentance. Turning from that and turning to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally, totally trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin. Maybe you have been in church your whole life. I was (laughs) most of my life, most of my early life. The Lord had to save me. Give me a new life. Give me a new heart. Take that heart of stone out. Give me a heart of flesh. Give me a new heart. Give me new desires. It's called being born again by faith. Are you united with Christ through faith in him? His death, burial, and resurrection. His death for your forgiveness. His resurrection for your justification. And that's that's, that's, that's all of it, folks. That's the whole ball of wax, okay? You, you get this. You get what it means to be in union with Christ. Go ahead, read Romans 7. You're going to see that there's a war. Galatians 5 tells us that. The flesh 
and the spirit are at war with each other as long as we're here. You don't do what you want to do, and you do what you don't want to do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah, there's a war, but that war is winnable. Because if you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. Amen? So don't offer the members of your bodies as instruments of wickedness and place yourself under that slavery. You don't have to. Don't do it. Rather, offer yourselves as instruments to God, as instruments of righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, what wonderful truths the gospel is. This is the gospel, your gospel, your good news to us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me for bringing me into that union with Christ. And, and Lord, as we read further, we see that's, that's really an inter-Trinitarian union. You, you tell us that the Father loves us as he, as he loves Jesus. <laughs> that's an amazing thought, that union with Christ, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Oh, Lord, may we act like who we are. And if we are not in Christ, may we repent right now and trust him as Savior. As we leave here, Father, we know that this week we will be hit with all kinds of temptations. But we also know that that union, because of our union with Christ, we have strength by your grace, by the indwelling Spirit, the Holy Spirit, empowering us, that we then can not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. But we can live that life to you. That's my prayer. I pray that for all of us this week. In Jesus' name.